Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Nudges for Social Good podcast from the Local Government Association. My name is Rian Gladman and I manage the Behavioural Insights programme here at the LGA. And as you know, our aim is to demystify behavioural insights and behaviour change and provide learning from practical projects that you can then try in your own council and in your own place. So in today's episode, we're going to share the work that Cheshire East have been doing to use behavioural insights, tools and techniques to improve men's mental health locally. So before we start the um, the podcast, I just want to make you aware that this episode will contain content that some people may find upsetting, in particular references to mental health and to suicide. If you or someone you know is feeling emotionally distressed, organisations such as the Samaritans offer advice and support. So on with the podcast. It's great to have Katie and Karis with us here today. How are you both doing today? Good, thank you. Yeah, really good, thanks. Excellent, excellent. Thanks for your time. Um, over to you, really. You'd like to introduce yourself and the role at the council, please. So I'll go first. So I'm Katie Ellison. I'm a commissioning manager based at Cheshire East Council. Um, I'm responsible for commissioning public health services currently. Um, my previous role was based in the communities team at the council. Um, and I kind of had, I guess, the, the first um, interest in behavioural insights um, and brought on the project and commissioned it. And I'm Karis. I'm the um, research intelligence officer so I sit within the communities team and I joined sort of at the latter stage of this project and it was kind of this project that sparked my role um so yeah excellent stuff excellent stuff so so really to sort of get into um the conversation we always like to start at the beginning here in, in these episodes so what was the behavioral challenge that you were looking to tackle locally initially so that we kind of the beginning of our journey, I guess, starts probably around the beginning of the pandemic. Um, so being in the communities team, we were on the front line of, of everything, really, in terms of um, impact of pandemic. So Boris told us all to stay at home. Um, we had lots of vulnerable people in our communities who were unable to source food to get prescriptions. And we equally had a lot of people in our communities that were willing to help. So we spent a lot of time setting up a service um, that, again, was on the front line, which which matched those people that needed help with the people that were offering help. Um, and that was the backbone of our response um, to the, the direct impacts of COVID from a local authority perspective. And during that time, we were speaking a lot to people and there was a lot of distressed people that we were speaking to who were vulnerable, who were stuck at home. Um, and we were starting to notice dips in mental health and it's no it's no shock to anybody I think during the pandemic that that's kind of how everybody felt and we were starting to notice that anecdotally that men were feeling the the the, the kind of the impact of, of that isolation and there was a lot of um worklessness you know my husband included who lost his job through the the pandemic and it was that feeling of provider and being unable to provide for for your family as, as a male and it was just something that was it, it was coming up time and time again um, and locally our statistics were showing us that there was an increase in 
male suicide. Um, and around that time, the um, opportunity came up for us to apply for um, some funding from the LGA to run a behavioural insights project. Um, be honest, um, I, it was a it was a search that I did to, to try and take my mind off COVID. I think to look at what else was going on in the world, but that the the LGA um, funding came up, so put an application in to look at how we help men particularly to access services early to stop them being on that trajectory of I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine I'm really not fine and we were particularly interested in looking at how we encourage men how we in increase take up of early intervention and prevention services so that's kind of how our journey began. So we're it's really back within Covid in the midst of lockdown yeah looking obviously noticing the stats locally worrying stats locally and then really as a sort of early prevention upstream how do yeah. we encourage men the behavior we want really to tackle is how to encourage men to take up preventative services earlier on um so so in a nutshell that that's sort of where you're at and so once you you identified that behavior what 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 came next well, we put the application into the, the LGA fund. We were successful in our application. Um, and then we began our journey of sourcing a provider, so a, a a collaborative partner to do the piece of research. So we were interested in speaking to people and digging a lot deeper and understanding the kind of the drivers and the motivators behind their behaviour. So um, we went through normal procurement processes and we ended up partnering with an organisation called Ice Creates, who are local to us, so they're based on the Wirral. And it, it was the beginning of, a, of an amazing partnership, really. Um, and Ice straight away understood the, the piece of work that we wanted to do. They understood the sensitivities around it. And as you said at the beginning, Rian, you know, it, it's triggering. It's a difficult subject to discuss, especially in kind of um, group-based settings. So they they understood that um, and they were sensitive to everything really. Um, but the, the first port of call from our project was around gathering those insights. So having those workshops, talking to people and understanding what men's mental health is like right now, what services are out there and actually what services do we need? So in an ideal world, what services would you have um, to address men's mental health and I guess I went into it with an assumption that there either weren't enough services or the services were inaccessible. Both of those assumptions were proved wrong um, during the insight gathering phase because actually what we found having spoken to a lot of men was that the services are there, they're accessible should you need them. Services can always be improved but they are there in our community. It's the fact that men don't look in on themselves enough. They're not self-analysing. They're not looking at themselves and thinking, how am I feeling today? Am I OK? Do I need to go and talk to somebody? They are just on this trajectory of I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And so that's why we decided to focus on upstream, encouraging men to be more introspective, to more look at their own well-being. That's, that's really interesting around the sort of service provider assumption there and and you do go into these you know challenges with assumptions professional or otherwise um and I, I just think that's a really interesting 
sort of early piece of learning isn't it that yeah the assumption actually and it, was, it changed it changed yeah. the course of our entire project yeah so had we not have done that really really deep dive insights phase we would have probably been looking at something completely wrong yeah and it's also made us kind of question how we do things even outside of this project so it's had kind of a knock-on effect for us to really reflect on how we do projects generally um, to get the right outcome and the best outcome that can. Can I take you back? You talked there about obviously um, difficult subjects to get people to open up about. Can you take me back to, to those workshops? How did you get local men along to those workshops? You know, who, who were you talking to? How were those workshops run? Can you tell me, give me a bit more detail about that insights gathering phase for other councils looking to do something similar? I'll be honest, the early workshops, because we because I sat in the communities team, we have a massive voluntary community phase social enterprise and infrastructure in Cheshire East. We're really, really lucky. We have a number of partnerships across the borough who work together to um, address and identify issues. And we used our networks and our partnerships. We put the offer out there and said we weren't specific around male suicide. We were, we, we put the offer out there and said we want to talk to you about men's mental health we weren't specific about inviting men we just said we want to speak to professionals people with lived experience anybody that wants to talk to us about men's mental health um and we kind of we got a broad representation we had kind of stakeholders from the council there from our public health team we had um our health colleagues who were kind of on the um the acute end of the spectrum we had voluntary sector organisations who were there. We had actually colleagues internally um, who were men who have lived experience of, of mental health. So we had a wide range of people on those stakeholder groups. Um, and I think having the benefit of that partnership infrastructure to be able to get the word out there and say this is what we're doing was, was yeah really benefited us at the time. So, so you've run the workshops, you've, you've challenged that assumption, you've done that deep dive, which has changed the course of the project. Um, what was the intervention that you decided on and how did you design that? So the, well, first of all, we started um, with our kind of, well, I say we, it's the real we, our, our delivery partner, Ice Creates, um, did it but they did some um, focus interviews with men so they asked for men to sign up um, individually to talk around mental health issues and they they used the insight that they gathered to create a number of visual assets um, and those visual assets were um, created to encourage men to look in on their own mental health and well-being so it, the assets were created, co-created over a number of different sessions with the men to, to tweak them so that they were speaking directly to men. Um, so using those assets, we ran a randomised control trial. So we had a treatment group of men who had signed up to a wellbeing trial. They weren't told at the time that it was identifying mental health issues. They signed up to a wellbeing trial, a six week wellbeing trial. The treatment group were sent the assets on a regular basis via WhatsApp, encouraging them to think about how they're doing, how they're feeling. Um, the control group were sent nothing. Um, and then we were had at the end, we were able to compare. I'll let I'll let Carrie's kind of pick up 
Yeah, so there were two scales that we used to measure you know, from start to finish. So we had scores taken at the start, scores taken at the end, and then we can compare both between the start and the end and also between the groups. Um, for any fellow sciencey nerdy people out there, it, we did a mixed on over. Um, There'll be lots listening. Else. There'll be lots listening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good to, yeah. So the two scales that we used, uh, we used the WEMWEB scale, which is the Warwick and Edinburgh mental wellbeing uh, scale. Um, it's a 14 item scale measuring on a scale of one to seven from not at all to all of the time and you uh, rate in terms of each of the state various statements. Um, and we also use the five ways to well-being, which isn't necessarily a scale in itself, but it is a concept that's been heavily utilised in the kind of well-being sphere. Um, it's a five item kind of or five category um, th um, scale that you can use. And it's again, one to seven based on the frequency of action. So one of them, for example, is how often do you socially meet with friends, relatives, work colleagues? Um, so we wanted to use both of them because it's just it's quite interesting, I think, to get a bit more robustness in terms of that evaluation. And what we found is we got a statistical significance for WEMWEBs both from start to finish. So our intervention group were significantly um, had significantly higher scores at the end in terms of well-being. So the higher the score, the better. And also there was a statistical significance again between the control group, which is great. It shows that actually those um the um kind of digital assets that we used were seemingly having a positive impact which was great on the five ways to well-being this one was slightly more interesting we found that there was a statistical significance for the for the um intervention group from start to finish but there was no difference between the groups when you look at the data the control group scored originally slightly higher but then had a slight decline um and there's we can speculate for days in terms of why that might have been the case, um, but it's just it's interesting in comparison, but equally still interesting that that intervention group still had a statistically significant increase. Um, so yeah, so that's the the statsy sciencey bit of it all. But from our perspective, we were delighted that it seemingly was having a positive impact for those, um, and also in conjunction with the the quantitative data we also got qualitative data back as well where we heard actually you know what were the experiences of the people on the program and you know it's as much as I love the stats actually hearing that people you know that the men that had taken part were making like and had made life changes as a result of the um, six-week well-being challenge that was a real positive because actually it's not just numbers at the end of the day it's people making you know one person decided that they um the shift patterns that they were working just weren't working for them and actually were taking away in terms of their mental health so they changed their shift pattern that they worked which is a huge positive um in terms of that realization and then taking action because i think that's a really important important bit and a lot of the qualitative feedback was promising when we look at kind of a longer term behavior change and um from that perspective so yeah it's all around we were pretty pretty happy with it results excellent results um just jumping back with obviously an rct randomized control trial mm. a lot of councils say that they they can struggle to get the numbers onto the trial to make it statistically significant as as you say this one was so mm. how did you go about recruiting people to the trial to ensure that you had enough people 
to run your RCT? So we pushed it out to as many channels as we possibly could communication wise. Um, ICE creates were fantastic again at helping us with that and trying to get a really broad, broad reach because um, that was also really important to us that we got good representation um, from, you know, I mean, we're, we've got rural and semi-rural areas and then more kind of urban areas. So it was good to get as much of a split as possible across a variety of demographics. Um, but yeah, they were, I mean, they were fantastic. I know Katie mentioned it at the start, but they really were a partner to us. They really felt, you know, invested in it and really supported us along the way. Um, but getting the we, word out there was key. Yeah, and again, we used our kind of, our infrastructure partnerships to be able to do that. But I think we had just over 300 men um, apply to be part of the trial where we only needed just over 100. Um, and I'm sure the £30 Amazon voucher wasn't the the, the reason for that. Um, but it, we we had, and because we had such a big pool, we were able to sort of selectively sample. Um, so we were able to pull men from different demographics, different areas of the borough and from different ages and different walks of life. So it, it gave us a real opportunity to to reach everybody. So I guess it was through a combination of council communication channels, your partners, your yeah. stakeholders. Katie said this worked within, you know, you sit within the communities team of the council. So you're using all of, you know, those connections into the community. Am I right? I might have made this up because I know we've talked about this project a while. It's been, it's been a while ago. It's something to do with local boxing gyms. Your guys oh. from the community team were going out. Can, oh yeah, can you tell me more about about yeah. that. Please? We, we wanted to we wanted to get to the a key thing around our roles in communities is we want to hear from the people that we don't normally hear from. So we went everywhere. We went to we went to speak to people in, like you say football clubs, boxing gyms coffee shops and that kind of stuff and anywhere that we could sort of engage we went and just just offered that opportunity and opened up those lines of communication and actually from a council perspective it I think the whole process has changed the way we engage with people if I'm honest so from a you know councils have a statutory responsibility to consult in certain areas what we did and what we do better now, I think, is engage and the two very different things. And we talk to people and we understand people and we let them talk to us. Um, and we gather intelligence. And I think our approach to, to engagement has changed through this. And it, it was the catalyst, I would say, to, to, to changing that. And I think you talked earlier, obviously, about, about that assumption and you talked as well, Karis, about how this has changed how you run other projects. So you've obviously run a, a successful RCT to improve men's mental health. You've got statistically significant results um, and you've challenged some assumptions. Can you say a bit more about what next? Like, how is this project going to continue beyond the life of obviously running that RCT? And then what else? across the council is changing as a result yeah so in terms of the project itself it's really twofold that we're looking at it both externally and internally so externally we have a suicide prevention network it's called champs which is for um across the kind of cheshire merseyside region and um so it's been great because it's been able to feed into that and you know we're quite excited at that opportunity to really have an impact again on that level and through the LGA as well, sharing the kind of the 
the word out there in terms of what we've been able to achieve in the project and how we approached it again has been a fantastic experience and hopefully you know adding adding value right across the UK but internally we're also looking because as much as we can say this is great it's also important that we reflect on actually you know what can we do internally and look really close to home so that's something that we're exploring at the moment particularly as we're kind of going into the winter period how we can support the people that you know that work directly within Cheshire East as well so um, from a project point of view uh, you know it means linking in back in with our VCFSE sector and building close relationships with mental health charities there's a great mental health charity called Mental and um, that we that um, support provide a lot of support within our area which is great so from that perspective it's quite I find it quite exciting it's quite um, I think it's something that's going to remain an important topic I think we need to keep talking about it and keep banging the drum and just keep it moving and kind of don't stop um but there's a lot of people that are behind us as well which is fantastic and you know we, as cheesy as it sounds we can only do it if we kind of all do it together um and then in terms of the approach itself i mean as i mentioned at the start my role came about as a direct result of this project um to really bring more behavioral insights um to the work that we do through communities but also further afield as well and from that perspective, you know, we are on a bit of a change trajectory where we're looking at actually, well, how can we do engagement when it might not be required by default, but actually it's going to be beneficial because it's helping us, you know, in line with the leadership quote, first seek to understand, then to be understood. So, you know, the opportunities for actually really addressing the crux of the issues and addressing the key gaps that exist, it's just huge. Really don't think it can be underestimated. I think from my perspective so since this piece of work happened which was what a couple of years ago um, I've recently moved into a new role within commissioning so I now work in public health commissioning and um, part of my role is is commissioning a mental health service so the learning I guess from this piece of work and I can't I can't emphasize enough how much this piece of work and working sort of the partnership with Ice Creates and LGA has changed the way I personally do my job um, in terms of that insight phase. I think when I mentioned at the beginning that my assumption during the insight phase was proved wrong, I think that's quite a bold thing to say, especially as a commissioner, you know, I was wrong. But it, it shows me how important it is to do that insight properly and to do the engagement properly and to do the un um, intelligence gathering properly. And at the beginning of a commissioning cycle, from, um, from a people perspective, we start off by saying, what's the question? What are we trying to solve? And actually, if you look at this piece of work that we did around sort of male's mental health, the question was wrong. And it, it's not, you know, from my perspective as a commissioner, I want to make sure that once I get to the development of service point of my commissioning cycle, that I've got the question right. And only by gathering the insight through the intelligence gathering and the effective engagement will I get that question right. So, you know, it, and I think since we kind of started on our behavioural insights journey, we've taken that approach to a number of different pro projects. We've recently commissioned a project around um, COVID recovery, which Caris is managing. Um, and there's there's loads of different projects that we've got across the whole of the council because we're 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 keen that it doesn't just sit within our kind of silo of people. There's there's two other directorates out there that we want to kind of embed the 
philosophies, I guess, behind BI into that, you know, Caris is doing an amazing job of weaving it in anywhere. <laughs> We're parables will enter it into any conversation we can do. <laughs> it's true. It's very true. <laughs> Yes, so many of our of council services are related to human behaviour. Therefore, the the potential opportunities across the council, <clears throat> the eight nine hundred services we run, it's limitless, isn't it? Really, and it's. I guess what I'm hearing you say is doing that deep dive, really understanding the power of understanding the barrier that was stopping a behaviour, or you know what is really behind driving a certain behaviour. Uh, that may be a negative behaviour locally has been the sort of light bulb moment yeah, really absolutely. on this Definitely. and now it's how can you start to roll it into different parts of the council and partners etc etc um, I, I guess if you've got any, any advice for, for councils listening I, again you know there's lots of services we want more people to take up our services uh, to to have better outcomes in local community, which was sort of where you were coming from. Maybe there are some more services we need. You know, that's the starting point. Other councils that are sort of in that headspace. Is there any any advice, any learning you would offer them? It might not be around male mental health. It might not be around mental health at all. But is there anything you you would want to share to those listening? I think from my perspective is. The, the crucial part is that insight gathering, intelligence gathering, what I just said, you know, talking to people, talking to the people that don't normally get a voice. So using the networks, using opportunities such as joining whatever social group is happening in the community to be really informal, to be approachable, to listen and to to understand people and understand what they're telling you. and And from what they're telling they'll tell you a lot <laughs> they like to talk to you but actually to understand the, the key themes of what they're telling you and then bring that back and start analyzing it and start challenging your own thinking certainly as a commissioner challenge my thinking and say what what do i now know i think that would be my my key thing yeah i'd mirror that in terms of starting off with a blank sheet of paper because you don't know what you don't know and it's a great opportunity to go out and find out what it is so um, but I also think to add to that, involving the right people and having the right expertise. So we were really lucky in this project with Ice Creates. They are absolutely fantastic and work with us so much as a partnership. And I think it gives you that boost to really go for it um, because, you know, from a behavioural insight, you can call it behavioural science. You know, there's a lot of terms that kind of mirror the same thing. But you know it's important don't just dip your toe in it just go for it because the the evidence out there whether it's on the lj website or on your own kind of search terms the, the evidence is huge there is so much out there that just backs it because it's back it's almost back to basics back to psychology back to human behavior and actually if you involve and empower people it really does make a key difference great plug for the uh, LGA website Karis love that um, <laughs> You're welcome. Just, just to say that the the assets you were talking about the visuals mm. are fantastic you know they are yeah. really good really engaging and and we are going to share those on the LGA website so we'll get those up for and you're happy for other councils to steal shamelessly 
100 percent we want we yeah we want them used um so we've, we've flooded them out into our um partners and our networks and said use them please because the yeah the, the, i think the assets went through probably about 12 different iterations testing mm -hmm. things like colors images and words used on them so yeah we, we're really keen that they they are used and and it's the aim of those really is all around that encouraging men to sort of have that earlier check check in of how they're mm. feeling how they're doing um, and you're still using those yourselves on all your comms and yeah. on the website yeah yeah and it's just it, it does come down to that introspection piece because you know what one of our participants we were um lucky enough to have a bit of a catch-up with um one of them who basically gave his well told us Kind of how we felt about the whole process it was really really positive discussion and he said you know there's this pressure um on men generally to you know in particularly in rural settings he mentioned but there's that having that sort of stiff up stiff upper lip where you just have to carry on and it, it kind of makes you numb to how you feel and your own emotions and things like that and so you mentioned actually taking that time just to reflect and then do things that you actually enjoy and bring the best out of you is just absolutely the key for for keeping positive well-being. Yeah, that's that's really powerful, isn't it? And and you talked about some of the practical actions that some of the participants in the trial were taking. Are there any any others that really jumped out at you? Oh, there were loads. People taking up daily puzzles. It didn't have to be big things. And I think that was the key. And yeah. again, what, what the participant that we spoke to directly kind of shared with us, that it's just that snippet of time. It does not have to be this big. I think when people think of well-being, they think, where am I going to pull an extra hour out of the day? You know, we've got enough pressures on as it is. But actually taking those little micro things that really make you feel good, whether it's a puzzle, listening to music, spending time with your pet your dog or going for a walk with someone or on your own or going running just all these things that again it depends on the person there's no one size fits all but there were just such a you know was such a variety um in responses um one individual went decided that because he usually went to sort of big football games but um couldn't for a variety of reasons decided to go to a local game with his son and said that that's something that he's going to keep doing because he found so much joy in it um and i think it just comes down to that assessing you know what's going to work for you as, as an individual and and doing it um and supporting your well-being through through that and again it's why you know on our assets it doesn't say mental well-being spread all over it because at the right at the very beginning that's what people were telling us is that term just doesn't resonate it doesn't it's not something that you know is meaningful for that group so it's really important I think language is a big one particularly when it comes to behavioral science and insights is key a key one to get right sorry Katie I thought you were going to come in there no 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 my problems didn't want to talk across yeah, you no I completely agree so I guess there's those themes there around you know it's physical activity there's joy there's connection um, spending time with loved ones just and as you say not not a huge great thing and I, I think at a time when um, mental health services are you know under extreme pressure and this huge demand this project shows another way uh, you know another resource that that people can tap into in a different way of looking at it from a preventative upstream approach so um, and yeah really interesting what you found about about the language and not talking about mental health did that come out quite early on? Yeah, right at the very beginning. Right at the very beginning, it we had um, 
and hopefully you, maybe you could share on the website but what during the stakeholder workshop we had um visual minutes so there was um a colleague on there who was basically sort of showing the minutes of the meeting in um picture format and it, it was a really really good represent visual representation of the of the conversation but straight slap bang in the middle it says mental health and a massive cross through it because that was the thing that came out so so strongly is that the term mental health does not like carrie says does not resonate at all because it's some mental health is something happens that happens to somebody else it, it it doesn't affect me um and that's that's what the men told us from the offset so that's why we made sure and again the the, the participants of the whole study were involved in the co-creation of the assets so again they they wanted to ensure that they weren't just for addressing mental health they were for well-being and making yourself feel a bit better about general life there was there was no mention of mental health on those assets at all yeah and there's no tell either it's just encouraging as mm -hmm. opposed to coming from a place of tell that seems to say a bit more about that karen so in terms of because i think and particularly and maybe this is my personal view but when we're telling people to do things you kind of put pressure on people whereas actually if you you know in terms of we can tell people go and run and you know speak to someone and all this sort of stuff but actually is that really going to get the behavior change when there is no one size fits all for well-being and actually the things that bring us joy somebody might find you know doing a little puzzle or sudoku or whatever might bring them absolute joy and make them feel really good whereas for somebody else it might just cause them more stress because it's just not that's just not for them um and so as opposed to kind of being directive it's just more encouraging to that kind of encouraging tone just to help help get people thinking about what's right for them because we can't tell them what's right for them but you know all we can do is encourage back on to one of my favorite topics in this podcast intrinsic and extrinsic motivation mm. so if we are you know telling as you say that's you're relying on an, an external motivation which will doesn't really last for very long in all the studies show whereas if you appeal to what motivates people it motivates them intrinsically they see what's in it for them and then it sustains the behavior because they can see the, the purpose the benefit for themselves so yeah that's definitely a topic that's come up before on on the podcast so thanks for letting me indulge that one again um <laughs> brilliant great stuff great stuff so so I guess we've talked about, you know, to recap the challenge that you had, how you did that deep dive of, you know, into the research around the behavioural insight, what was driving the behaviour. Um, and you found out some really fundamental um, truths, didn't you? You know, that, that challenged yeah. your thinking and changed your language and changed the focus of, of the project. And sounds like it's changed the focus of of your directorate within the council as well so so some really profound stuff there you've run the rct um you got to statistical significance with positive results within your trial and there's a clear way forward both within the mental health topic but also in other um you know covid related projects as well that, that you're taking this forward in so i guess what i'd like to really pick your brains on is each of you what are your top three tips for other councils who are looking to implement a similar project in their council? 
I'll go first. One is just do it. <laughs> don't don't overthink it, and um, just just do it. Um, second is, I think, as we've mentioned, our partnership with our initial provider was incredibly valuable, and it wasn't a sort of a provider council relationship it was very much a partnership and um, they were very much they are we still work with them now so they're very much on board with our values as a council our direction as a council and and, and fundamentally they understood what we were trying to achieve all the way along and they were prepared to be challenged as well which was really interesting um and i guess the top tip Follow your gut, I guess. Follow your gut. And it probably links to the first one, but just do it. You know, there's this have those. I suppose the top tip for me is is get some quick wins and evidence where it works and evidence the benefit of using behavioral insights models and practices in everything that we do. And it getting some quick wins gives you the opportunity to then sell it um which which is what Carith and I are doing at the moment so yeah just just go for it yeah that just do it that's interesting is that about um is that risk averseness what what's what's driving that is it because it's innovation and new and difficult or what what drives that sort of reticence I think I think in Cheshire we're really lucky um because there was no reticence at all. Um, we were encouraged from the start. Um, we're encouraged as officers to be innovative, to do things differently. And it was probably having the confidence for myself at the beginning to say, I don't even know what behavioural insights is. I Googled it. I, was no, I had no idea. But I've come on a massive learning journey um, with thanks to the LGA wholeheartedly because I wouldn't be on it if it wasn't for you guys. But I think it's not something that is extra work I think that's something that I would highlight it's not a job it it's, it underpins everything we do it's it's kind of a, a way of thinking slightly differently um and like I say at Cheshire we were given we are always given the opportunity to think differently and I embrace that yeah, I like that it's not a job it's not something on top it's no. it is the job it's the approach yeah try and understand what's driving behavior locally and and use behaviorally informed ways to drive improvement yeah excellent i've got the three there caris over to you your top three learning tips for the council's listening please so my three are first off you don't have to have all the answers you just have to go and ask the question i think you just never know what's going to come out of the woodwork and it really does help shape and build a, a relationship of kind of trust and empowerment between you know between us as an organization our vcfse sector residents the the whole point of this project came about because it's kind of what we were hearing from our vcfse sector that there was a problem um and just delving deeper into that was um has proven to be you know a really beneficial thing in terms of this project and hopefully the impact that it's that it's having i think the second um, point is 
if you sort of on the provider point, linking in with a provider that's um, behavioural insights informed. So Ice Creates are one of them. Um, they're not just a research company. I say just, I mean, that's I'm doing research companies a discredit there, but they are behavioural science and behavioural insights informed, which is great because they know the models like the back of the hand and they draw on it actively. So you do feel like you, you are, again, working more in partnership um, with with that organisation. So I think definitely having a BI informed provider if you're going to go down that route. Um, I'd also say, you know, to grow, look to grow behavioural science and insights capability internally, whether that's capitalising on on the current um, current skills and, and people that you've got or actually saying, Do you know what, we need somebody with specific expertise to to come in because perhaps that's what we're missing internally. Um, I am biased because we've, we've done that um, <laughs> for my role, but having been in this role now for for a little bit of time I and just how seeing it snowball and from a blank sheet of paper that it started out it's been a you know a personal joy um, and professional joy from me personally uh, as a bonus fourth one I'm going to say tap into a network um I think this this one just pays dividends time and time again so there's um, a network it might be you know it's health psychology networks which are fantastic cause health psychology is all around behavior change and that's integrally linked to behavioural science and insight um, and there's some great networks out there to, to tap into or whether it's uh, behavioural science specific behavioural economics there's so many different ways that you can go go about it but definitely tap into a network because you're not alone. Excellent stuff thank you both so much for your time this afternoon and thank you as well sort of you know on behalf of the LGA for the the fantastic work you're doing on such an important area um and councils across the country will be really interested in, in hearing more so thank you so much for your time and, and we'll have you. to have you back again when you've um, done some more projects definitely definitely oh it's been a pleasure thanks ladies um, so once again, if you or someone you know is feeling emotionally distressed, organisations such as Samaritans do offer advice and support, and we encourage you to reach out for help with those organisations. Uh, please do let us know if you have any suggestions for future speakers or topics that we could cover on the podcast. You can drop us an email at behavioralinsights@local.gov.uk with your ideas and feedback. As we mentioned, the report from Cheshire East and uh, the visual assets as well are going to be on our website at www.local.gov.uk and then you can search for the Behavioural Insights page from there. And we have a host of other nudges for social good that you can learn from and you can use. So please do share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and many thanks for listening. <laughs>